This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So back in February, you know, I combed the Internet of Things. I'm always looking for people and interesting topics, and this story went viral. And it was about a Bay Area company, and it was near and dear to my heart because, you know, Tiffany Aliche had already shared on these airwaves how her house got appraised like $200,000 less than a house across the street in another zip code, and they're in the same area. And she's like, how? How is that house a million dollars and mine isn't? Well, this story went viral. Uh, Millions of people saw it, and the reporter has been doing an amazing job making sure that we are informed about the disparities in this space, uh, in this housing market. Let me welcome to the show, he's a reporter and an anchor for ABC7 News in the Bay Area, Mr. Julian Glover. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Carrie. I'm so happy that we're finally able to do this. We've been trying to set this up for some months now. So yeah, we've been playing double Dutch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. You know, you work for a major, you know, Disney outlet, and so they got to be real careful about, you know, your image and all of that. I understand, but it, you know, it was the timing more so than everything. We launched a new unit, race culture, a reporting unit, and we were waiting for everything to be lined up just right so I could come up here and I speak to you and your audience and talk about this issue. Listen, um, you know, my background is journalism, and I, I feel like it is a lost art form in the sense that it is the one space uh, that society needs to to uncover things that are happening. And we have been corporatized to the point and, and you know, algorithmed into following the, the bouncing ball instead of doing the work. So I just want to praise that you're doing the work, you're uncovering, you're, you're doing what journalists should do, which is going out, find those stories that nobody's talking about and making sure that we're aware. This is a, a racist housing market, period, full stop. It's not our imagination. And you gave us the receipt. So tell us about the story that led to this series. This is a crazy story right here. It's one of those stories when you start initially hearing all the facts of it, you say, wait a minute, I must be missing something because if everything that you're telling me lines up right, this is absolutely outrageous, it's wrong, and we gotta shed some light on it. So I was working on a series of reports uh, for Black History Month. And one of the stories I was working on was looking at home ownership disparities between Black Americans and white Americans. As many of your listeners know, in the San Francisco Bay Area and California as a whole, truly, uh, the housing market is grueling. The homes are way overpriced. They, <laughs> they stay on the market for a couple of days and they get snatched up. And there are many things that stop Black homeowners from being able to purchase homes. Uh, one of them being the um, high amount of student loan debt that our Black folks tend to carry because we are less likely to get those scholarships. We don't come from intergenerational wealth where mommy and daddy can just pay for college. We are doing it ourselves, along with a host of other issues. And so I'm working on this story, again, looking at the Black homeownership rate in the Bay Area. And then I remembered this little blip that was in one of the local papers. And I'm going to say this too, Karen, like you started off the conversation. Journalism is important, but our local newspapers, I mean, they're the backbones. They are really the backbones of this industry because they are at the community meetings, the board meetings, you know, the things that we can't always get to as a television station keeping people honest and keeping us even informed. So the, shout, shout out that local outlet. Absolutely. The uh, Marin uh, IJ, um, they are the folks who uh, were starting to work on a story. And this was just about discrimination that's happening in Marin uh, County, California, which is one of the most segregated, is the most segregated county uh, in all of California. And there was this little blip 
from a community activist, Paul Austin, who said, and yes, by the way, is an example of discrimination that's happening in Marin County, my home was appraised for half a million dollars less because of the color of our skin. And I remembered that story and I said, I have to reach out to him to get the full story on this one. And I did. And that's when they started coming with the receipts and showed me the appraisals that happened. First one, uh, where they got the home appraised for $989,000. And I know a lot of your listeners are thinking, a million dollar house? Is this a mansion? <laughs> but in California, uh, no, it was, it's a nice home. You know, but by no stretch of the imagination is this a, a mega mansion. Um, and so they were stunned that the home was appraised for only $100,000 more than what they purchased it for after they put in $400,000 worth of work in the home. They added an entire new level. They updated the, the kitchen, all of the bedrooms. It looks gorgeous now. And then they said, this isn't right. This can't be right. They fought and fought and fought to get a second appraisal, which is very tough to do. And I can explain that a little bit as well. But they heard about another couple who had essentially done the same thing. They staged the home. They completely stripped down all of the pictures, all of their artwork that may have been a nod of who lives in the home and the black folks live there. And they actually had one of their good friends who happens to be a white woman stand in for them for the appraisal. And when they got that appraisal back, it appraised for half a million dollars more. Half a million dollars more because of the color of the skin of the homeowner. And that blew my mind and it blew so many people's mind and that's why it went viral. Uh, but more than that, Karen, what happened is I just started getting hit up by so many people all across the country, many people in the Bay Area too, saying this has happened to me. Perhaps not to the degree that it happened to that family. It wasn't a half a million dollar difference, but I felt like my home was undervalued because we are Black or Latinx or we live in a particular neighborhood and they didn't know what to do. They didn't see the playbook of let me take down all the pictures in the artwork. Well, even that, and, even that, Julian, you know, the work that it requires for you to de-black, to, to, to remove your identity that white yes. folk don't have to do, right? So exactly. like that I have to go through all of this and maybe spend a little money, extra money, time, energy to de-blackify my home. Somebody else can just sell their home and not have to do all of that. It's ridiculous. Exactly. But go ahead, I'm ridiculous. sorry. No, no, that, that is a great point. And what I'm hearing from families is we are upset. We're pissed off that we have to do this in the first place. But if that's what we have to do to play the game, because we know so much of this is playing the game, if that's what I have to do to get a fair shake, I'm willing to do it. But the reality is we need to change systemically how homes are appraised and valued, how neighborhoods are valued, how that intrinsically affects all of the public um necessities that we pay into with our taxes that are then devalued because of the devalued homes so our communities can get a fair shake. We're talking with Julian, Julian Glover, um, and he's at ABC 7 News in the Bay Area in California, local local uh, reporter, but this is a national, this might be an international issue as it relates to, to us. 866-801-8255 is the number. If you guys have a story, we're here for it, and you can follow Julian at Julian Glover TV on the Twitters of Julian G ABC 7 as well. That's his other handle. Um, where where are you from? I'm from DC. Okay, all right. In DC, 
DC. Okay. And so how did you get into this? Was this your, you know, when we talk about beats, is this one of your, your jams or you fell into this beat and you made the most of it? You know, it's, it's always one of those things that we, especially as black journalists, journalists of color, I know are in newsrooms and we're pushing for these stories to be told. And we aren't always given the space, the opportunity to be able to tell the stories. And I really sum it up to, to three things, the perceived interest in the market. So, uh, you know, news managers might say, well, maybe that's not the most important story of the day. That's not going to lead the five, lead the five o'clock news. Uh, one of the other things is person power. Uh, it's no secret that the news industry, and I know you know, Karen, from your background, uh, we've been hit by cuts, 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 and we flip and reverse your role and the task and responsibilities that are expected of you. And then the last thing is the time and effort. These stories aren't um, quick turns. You, you can't just, you know, jump up and at, get off the, you know, 10 a.m. call and then have this on the air for the 4 p.m. news. This takes time. Uh, to be able to work these stories and tell these complex stories that I think our audience is truly demanding of us. And so when this opportunity presented itself to be able to do this type of work uh, full time, head on, day in and day out, it was an incredible opportunity. Uh, and I do just want to point out that, you know, it's, it's not just me. Uh, I'm a part of, like you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, ABC7 is owned by Disney. We have uh, seven other owned and operated stations all across the country from Los Angeles to New York to Philly. Uh, to Chicago, Houston, Raleigh. I'm forgetting somebody right now. There was one more. It'll come to me in a second. Uh, but we're all a part of this race and culture reporting team where we have reporters at each of our stations embedded. And we are leading the charge in covering this area of uh, race, culture, social justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But it's also the responsibility, a collective responsibility of the entire newsroom. Uh, to make sure that we have a vested interest in telling these stories because this is the stuff that really matters. Well, it you matters be because most of us live in neighborhoods where we don't see it play out until it plays out. You can suspect, you know, that my zip code means I'm paying more for car insurance, that my zip code means that I'm paying more in taxes for fewer resources, that my schools aren't going to be as, as good, even though I am paying more in taxes than my my zip code next door to me, you know, and it has nothing to do with crime, because here's the other thing they don't tell you, because I, I know I have several property manager people in my sphere. A lot of these so-called white zip codes don't report their crimes because they understand or, or they, they play with the numbers because they understand what that looks like for real estate value, for, for how, you know, for the, the, the education system and all that. So you can have a, a zip code like in New, New Jersey, Hoboken, where they can have a lot of, you know, crime during a weekend, drunken folk, and it never gets reported because it's not good for business. And then we talk about Detroit and Chicago and Newark when the most dangerous place in America is in Florida. But they don't talk about that, right? Because it's not sexy. And so we have to start to take control of our narrative. We have to also start to tell the truth. And we need journalists like you to go out and tell these stories to put the pressure on the industries and the system to do something different. I 100% agree. And I can say that, you know, folks are taking notice of these stories on appraisal discrimination. Um, there are some discussions that are happening within HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. I know the California legislature is currently working on potential legislative fixes to appraisal discrimination and looking at how we can fix loopholes that currently exist. Uh, the other thing is that the appraisal um, 
the appraisal industry, it's no secret, is predominantly male and predominantly white. Uh, so there are new initiatives that are, are, are coming from this to increase the number, first and foremost, of women in the appraisal industry. And of course, people of color, uh, black folks, Latinx folks, Asian American folks um, in the appraisal industry. So there is less room for this inherent conscious or unconscious bias that folks can bring. Let uh, me pause you though, here, Julia, because the, pro the problem with systemic racism is that it affects all of us. I had a situation where I had a black woman in the same space uh, appraise. I had two uh, properties. One was appraised by a white man who I followed him through and I said, do not give me the black person appraisal. I said that to him. Uh, you know what this is worth. I know what this is worth. You better not come back with the black person's appraisal. And he did not. I had a black woman show up to another, the same building, another property, which was actually even nicer than the other one. And she came in $23,000 less than what the white man appraised my place for. Because we also sometimes have anti-black bias. Uh, and I didn't feel like I had to give her to don't give me the black person appraisal speech. And damn if she didn't come in with, you know, with a lower expectation for me, you know. And and so even just having a black face in the space is not necessarily the solution. Everybody has to be aware. And, and it's unconscious a lot of times, which is why I had to be vocal. I wasn't going to leave it up to this man to come in and tell me what this place was. I had to let him know I'm watching you. And it made it put him on notice because I don't think people want to be racist. I don't think they're, you know, there's some people. But I think it's like maybe 2%. I think it's just b baked into the system because of systemic racism. So they're coming in with these biases that they're not even aware of. So you have to sometimes put your thumb on the scale and say, hey, 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 hey. You may not recognize it, but it's in you. Don't give me that black person appraisal. And he didn't. The other thing that I would point out, because you brought up an, an excellent point right there, Karen, that it is baked into the system uh, in more ways than one. Like you mentioned with the unconscious you know, and or, right, conscious biases that someone might be carrying into a situation. But the other way that it's baked into the system is through everything that we know about the historic racist policies of redlining and how we were contained to certain neighborhoods or excluded from other neighborhoods. And if you were just using cops, so comparable home sales in a particular neighborhood, and you're keeping this radius real tight, and you know predominantly Black and Latino people live here, it's continuously going to get recycled in the appraisal and the evaluation of your property. So that's why we have to come up with big, bold solutions to untangle all of the baked in racism, because that's not bias, conscious or unconscious, that's straight up racism, mm -hmm. and, and, and try and create a system where people can get a fair shake and they don't have to erase themselves from their home just to be able to do that. Uh, we talk with Julian Glover. Uh, the great Julian Glover, ABC 7 News in the Bay Area. What of these um, outlets like Zillow and others that are now getting in the buying and selling, not just showing you, but they are literally buying homes, sight unseen in a, in a lot of areas. Does that help or does it hurt? That, that, that's a good question. I know there's so many um, solutions that are being talked about right now, and many of them have caveats. One of the big things uh, that are being pushed is relying more on AI, artificial intelligence, to be able to calculate uh, a more fair appraisal without, you know, someone being able to single-handedly, like you said, 
affect your appraisal. So you don't have to say, uh-uh, don't give me, you know, the black person rate. I want the full rate. I want what my property is worth. And, that, and I want to take a second and point that out. That's all people are asking for. I just want what my property is worth. I, I'm not asking for a secret code, a special rate for you to bump it up. I just want the equity that I've accrued in my property for living in it for 15, 20, 30 years to be mine. And for me to be able to take money out, start a business, send my kids to college, all of these things that other folks are able to do without having to erase themselves from the home. Okay. So back to the augmented, uh, not augmented reality, artificial intelligence. The problem there is garbage in, garbage, garbage out. out. That's the same thing, you know, with everything in tech where you begin to speak about AI. Another uh, potential solution that I think is interesting, and this, uh, a couple of mortgage companies are now or soon being tested to do this uh, Fannie Mae approved program where they do what's called a bifurcated or hybrid appraisal. And there might be some real, folk, real estate folks listening right now and saying, well, that's been around for a while. This isn't new. Uh, but essentially what would happen is you would have a surveyor come out to the home, do all the measurements, they would take pictures of the entire home, but then they would do the erasure that we're talking about. So Karen, if you're at the home where your property happens to be appraised and they snap the picture and you're in it, they airbrush you out so they can't even see you. If you have dogs or pets, you know, cats, whatever in the home, they take that out so that can't even be a factor that someone could judge it on. The pictures, the artwork, all of that is erased out. And so then this kind of, you know, a cleansed version uh, of your home is then sent to an appraiser where they could just give a accurate and hopefully fair evaluation of the property. So but it's that's still zip code, it's still zip code tied, right? I, so I know, I, agree with that. I, I know agree. East Orange zip code versus a West Orange zip code. And I, and I know, cause I've lived in both places. I paid my, my parents paid more taxes to live in East Orange a black enclave versus West Orange or South Orange. Not so much South Orange, but West Orange. What I pay in taxes in West Orange, my my parents paid in East Orange more taxes. And I'm like, this is crazy. For few for less services. Now I happen to live in a great neighborhood in East Orange, but that wasn't fair. And it still isn't fair. Because it's still tied to your zip code. And I know that if I put an East Orange uh, zip code on my insurance, I'm going to pay more in car insurance than I would a West Orange or a South Orange zip code. That's some bull crap because I'm driving the same car the same way. So what are you saying? You Oh, I have more of a chance of getting it stolen? No, not in this neighborhood in East Orange. Matter of fact, I probably have more of a chance. I've had more car issues of people stealing stuff in West Orange than I did in East Orange the whole time I lived there. So how do we navigate or overcome that zip code bias? That's a great question. And unfortunately, you know, I don't have all of the answers to that. But what I will say is it's going to take a cocktail of solutions. You know, there's not going to be one silver bullet that kind of deconstructs this racist system because that's what it is. Let's just call it what it is. Um, but it's going to take, you know, a, a collection, a series of fixes uh, that come in place. And I, I do think what you were raising right now is one of the toughest issues. Um, Lisa Rice, who is the head of the uh, National Fair Housing Alliance, you know, she has said in many a presentation, I can tell you so much about you if all you do is give me your zip code. Wow. All of the things that you just uh, mentioned right there, yeah. what your credit score is likely, 
the range, um, the value of your property, uh, how much you're going to pay in car insurance, and a life expectancy. I mean, a yeah. list of outcomes. So I think that is one of the, the biggest issues that we have to overcome if we're going to fix this is exactly what you said, discrimination when it comes to uh, the zip codes. The one thing I will say about that is going back and, and highlighting something that we already mentioned is that people will come into a zip code and this can be anybody. This can be a person of color too with an idea of what the homes could potentially even be worth because of their perception of the neighborhood. Um, and again, that's just something that this industry, that the powers that be are going to have to figure out. Many of the people who um, run these collectors and unions that represent appraisers, these are, we're looking to them to step up to the bat and come up with these solutions uh, in part because they have created the problem uh, over generations. Julian, what are you working on coming up? Working on so many stories coming up right give me, now. Give, me, your, give Man, me a story you're really excited about right now. Oh, wow. We are uh, working on a series of stories for uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. There's going to be a big uh, press release that comes out about that soon, but uh, really uplifting the community that's uh, had a difficult time over the last year and a half uh, and really talk about some of the issues that they're dealing with. One is about Filipino American nurses. Um, and the prevalence of Filipino-American nurses uh, in the country, specifically in the Bay Area, and the rate in which they died of COVID. And I don't think that's really wow. been talked about and recognized. In California, three out of five of the nurses who have died from COVID-19 or related causes have been Filipino-American nurses. So we, we speak to uh, those uh, Phil-Am, as they call themselves, nurses who've been on the front lines for the last year and a half. We speak to the president of National Nurses United. Um, about what they need to be able to feel safe and feel recognized and heard, uh, given the incredible sacrifices that they've made and so many other nurses. I don't wanna exclude uh, other folks too, uh, that they've sacrificed being on the front lines of COVID over the last year and a half. I also wanna take the opportunity to plug our uh, documentary to be the first on Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, that is now available to stream on Hulu uh, that was just nominated for an Emmy. We just found that out yesterday. All right. uh, so that was a that was a big project that we were working on ahead of the election. Thank you. And that's now available uh, to watch on Hulu. Really documenting uh, documenting um, the struggle, the triumph, the story from uh, Kamala Harris being born in Oakland, growing up in, in West Berkeley. Uh, being in the midst of the Black Panther Party, growing up down the block from Huey P. Newton and showing her story uh, through the perspective of people who've known her best and have known her through all, uh, along the way uh, as she is now in the White House. So uh, next time you come back, you could be Emmy uh, Award winning Julian Glover. Yeah, I'm 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 a, I'm a claim it for you. Actually, you'll be back before you win the Emmy. But yes, Julian, let's stay in touch. Let's definitely come back in and tell more stories. Uh, because journalists like you are super important and I value what you do.